that I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober today by the grace of God, good sponsorship, and meetings similar to this since January 18th of 2004. <clears throat> I'd like to thank Dave for asking me to come share. I'm, tonight I'm going to share in a general way what I used to be like, what happened, and uh, what I'm like today. And uh, I grew up in Jamestown, North Dakota. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what I always thought. But uh, I got uh, four other brothers. I had two parents. Uh, my mom recently moved to uh, Memphis a few years ago. And uh, I don't know if I grew up feeling like uh, I was out of place until probably about the age of five. At the age of five, I got my eye poked out by my uh, great-grandma with a um, little plastic dart with uh, some needles stuck in it because I was playing a game. I put some needles in the dart and I got my eye poked out. But anyways, to make a long story short, that's when I first started to kind of create my first lies and that's when I first kind of started to kind of create this other image other than what was real because people would ask me the story what happened and I just got tired of telling it so I started making a story up of how my eye actually got poked out and um, you know, I was a little bit taller than the other kids and I always, I did start to feel a little bit of a separation then. Um, I excelled at school. I got put in the... Uh, classes early in the morning for the talented and gifted and uh, in the third grade I got kicked out of those classes for cheating on a science test. Um, one of the other uh, nerds that was in my early morning classes with me told me it was an open book test so I started using my book for the test and Miss Thompson uh, caught me cheating. It made me help the janitor for uh, the week after school and um, I was a little bit bitter about that. That was my first real, um, real hardcore resentment towards her, and uh, I kind of got some attention for that though, because there's there's Ben helping the um, butt out the janitor every night after school, and uh, I've always liked to get attention one shape, form or another. And I kind of from that moment on found out that it's a lot easier to get the negative attention than it is to get the good attention, and then uh, I kind of rolled with that. Um, back at uh, Roosevelt Elementary, if you got in trouble, you had to stand with your nose to the, the brick wall in the lunchroom while everyone walked past you in line to go get their lunch trays and oh, as the years went on I was up there more and more often and I really didn't seem to mind you just stand there you know as well you can kind of see everyone through the corner of your eye and they're laughing they're pointing it was like you know I don't know I kind of I like the attention and uh, that kind of started to become the people that I hung around with I always uh, traipsed around with my older brother Chris and uh, got in a lot of trouble actually I think uh, Chris and Chad B from the group here was my first resentment towards God and uh, I was riding my bike with training wheels on it and we were putting black skid marks on the sidewalk and the preacher came and caught us well those two were big enough so they could pedal away but the preacher got a hold of me and all I can remember is this might not happen this way but the preacher was cussing me out and I was bawling pedaling my little bike away from the scene and uh, ever since then I kind of um, you know after doing my four step I kind of came up with that's the conclusion where I just kind of axed well if that's what those religious folks are about I don't want nothing to do with it and um that was kind of my idea on uh, organized religion all the way through. I thought that the you know the stories that they give you in Sunday school were a bunch of made drummed up stuff by these people, these weirdos, and uh, you know people parting Red Seas and all this other crap happened. I just wasn't buying into it. And uh, <clears throat> you know, growing up through um, through high school and uh, through grade school, as a kid, I started growing a mullet. I had a mullet. I was wearing Miller hats, a shirt, a Kiss T-shirt. I made my mom take me to a Kiss concert when I was 12 years old because she wouldn't let me go by myself. She had to come with me, and, uh, and I was just kind of uh, 
starting to distance myself from everybody else in the real world. But, uh, you know, I always felt like I had a lot of friends. I excelled at a lot of sports. Uh, Christy was talking about being in swimming. I was in swimming, too, from a very early age, and uh, I was doing well. I was actually state champion when I was 11, and I think the next year afterwards, a group of people were talking about swimming being not as cool as I thought it was, and I just quit. You know, I, I, would, uh, I wanted uh, people to think highly of me, and I would do anything to gain uh, the your acceptance and your approval, and that would uh, later to become one of my more crippling handicaps, like Lurvik was talking about. It just kind of started to uh, be a chameleon. Whatever you want me to be, I'd be it. And uh, growing up, I've gotten a lot more trouble through high school, getting into fistfights and stuff like that, getting kicked out of classes, um, just being a regular jerk to teachers. Uh, anybody about me, I'd like to uh, pick on the kids who are less fortunate in high school and just kind of be a jerk to everyone around me because I never felt uh, equal to. I was either better than or less than you. And uh, and, and uh, I never knew I was alcoholic. Now, uh, looking back, I believe I was destined to be alcoholic long before I ever took my first drink. Uh, me and my older brother had a, like a 300-plus uh, beer can collection we made our dad gives for us. We and buy different types of beer so we can build this big shrine of empty beer cans. And I was like at the age of seven, eight years old. And uh, um, first, first uh, drinks, I would steal drinks from the basement of our house. I'd mix drinks up, um, take a few drinks with along the paper route. Never drank enough to get drunk while I was doing the paper route, but uh, I can always tell that the second half of the paper route went much better than the first did. <clears throat> um, finally, when I was aged 12, 13, running around with my older brother Chris is where I drank enough to get uh, drunk. It was black velvet, and I went... Uh, to a house party, they're playing this card game over there where you drink a lot, and my brother allotted me like five or six beers. I drank, I ran out of those, and someone has some black velvet whiskey, so I just started su supplementing the whiskey instead of the beer, and I didn't know that whiskey was stronger than beer at the time, so I was just drinking this stuff like uh, it was, you know, just like a regular beer, and uh, found myself uh, puking out in the front lawn of the house party, uh, puking up blood. I later realized after being AA that black stuff that you throw up is blood. I uh, passed out, I blacked out, and uh, I swore to God I'd never drink that night. I remember actually saying that, I swore to God I'd never drink. But in a short period of time that night, I felt uh, I felt like I was the party. I felt absolutely comfortable in my own skin. I felt uh, what I thought, the way I thought I should feel for a long time. And at the time, I wouldn't have gone and told you I was restless, irritable, and discontent with uh, my life and the people in it. But uh, it just made me feel like I've always wanted to feel, and I felt absolutely uh, beautiful. And from that moment on, started the obsession is that someday, somehow, I'm going to control and enjoy my drinking. And uh, I mixed things up, you know, started drinking beer on the weekends, and uh, just really had a good time. I had a blast. 90% uh, of my drinking career was an absolute blast. I loved every minute of it, minute of it and I'd do it again, you know. And, um, and drinking just kind of went on like that. I got my first uh, arrest when I was 17, and um, that was the first of probably about 24 arrests. And the consequences aren't uh, what, uh, what gets guys like me sober. They're just uh, they're, they're part of the gig. And uh, over a period of time, my, uh, <clears throat> my mind won't uh, pull up the, the memories of uh, what happened last month. You know, the, I go out with the idea that that's not going to happen again. Um, I... Uh, in 1999, I ended up getting uh, my girlfriend pregnant. We had a baby boy named Austin, and uh, this is where I started my first attempts to uh, could really try to buckle down and control my drinking. And uh, I'd be able to keep things together for you know the week, and then we'd ship Austin off to the grandparents, and it'd be um, you know it'd be all out on the weekends, and I'd behave for short periods of time. And but when when it was game on, it was game on, and. Uh, 
I later um, eventually ended up leaving that situation. I got arrested for uh, domestic violence, which uh, I'm not proud of. It's just um, it's one of those things that happened, and uh, you know I don't even know how I got myself in that situation because I was never going to be that guy. I was never going to be that guy that uh, hit the woman that I was with. But um, it's one of those one of the many things that happened of uh, the list that I had of things that I was not going to do in life, and uh, I crossed that one out. And uh, after I left uh, um, her. I kind of had nobody or nothing telling me what I could and couldn't do anymore, and that's how I uh, like to do things. I've pretty much been on my own as far as uh, parental uh, guidance. My parents didn't ask where I was at from the age of 12. I can go out and be gone for the weekend, and it's you know, no big deal. But uh, So I was back to uh, just being left with his own devices, and uh, <clears throat> I could drink the way I wanted to drink. And uh, the way I started drinking then was uh, pretty much every day, every chance I can get to, and this is when I... <clears throat> found out that uh, to avoid hangovers, just to start drinking. I seen a sign hanging in a bar in Windsor. It's a small town uh, to the west of Jamestown that said, avoid hangovers, stay drunk. And I was like, that makes sense. <clears throat> so uh, I'd be the guy uh, waking up at the parties, uh, still there from the night before, and I'd just crawl into the fridge and start drinking again. It only took a few to get, get right back in the saddle, and, uh, and I felt good. You know, I'm just uh, do anything to... Uh, make myself uh, comfortable in my own skin. But uh, this is also about the time where I uh, ran into drugs. Drugs was one of those things that one of my nevers, I, I always looked down on people who did drugs in high school, and I wasn't going to be one of those guys. And I started becoming a pretty regular user of uh, cocaine and uh, meth just to uh, balance out my drinking. And uh, I could drink like the way I used to drink on that stuff uh, for a short period of time. I could drink like I was 17 again, and it worked well, and I think it kind of helped me uh, get here a little bit earlier than I normally would have had I not done the stuff. But uh, I drank like that and um, did those things for a few more years, and uh, going to parties, I used to run with uh, Ben P. here, and uh, our idea of a good time is... Uh, boarding ourselves up in the jungle room for a week, uh, staying up straight and um, drinking. I'd go to work and still be up for the whole time. And, um, you know, that was our idea of a good time. And I was looking for guys like Ben to go drinking with, guys who drank like that, guys who wanted to go on the three, four, five-day runs. But uh, <clears throat> I started to experience a lot of pain in my side. My liver was starting to... Uh, deteriorate and I went to the clinic to get put on Anaboost because I thought I feared for my life. I wanted to stop drinking. I knew I couldn't do it <clears throat> on my own willpower so I went in the clinic and the doctor told me I needed to go to Alcoholics Anonymous for treatment and I wasn't going to do either one of the two because I've watched uh, Sandra Bullock in 28 days. I wasn't going to stand in a circle and chant so I would... I would uh, where, I was at, where I was at at that point in time is... Um, Full flight, full flight from reality, like the books talks about, and uh, you know, I was living only for one might say to drink. And uh, at that point in time, I walked to the doctor's office. I didn't care if uh, if I died drunk. I kind of thought it'd be fitting. You know, I thought it was my role in life is to uh, drink myself to death, and that's what I tried to do. I went on a run after that for about 50 days um, in the bars. Pretty much any time they were open, or they let me in, and uh, I ran into this girl. And for some reason, I tried to sober up for this girl. Um, I'd keep things together for about three weeks, and after three weeks, I'd just uh, I'd be restless here and discontent. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but uh, what was going on right here, right now, wasn't it. So I needed to go do something else, and um, that happened over and over for about a year, and I tried to keep things together for her, which eventually <clears throat> wound me up uh, breaking up with her and uh, 
my last uh, drunk before I went into treatment, I was either going to kill myself or go into treatment. And uh, and that was a big debate for me to do. I was uh, just kind of strung out, and I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. I didn't know how to get out of this mess, and I was either going to go to treatment or I was going to kill myself. And I called her up after she asked her if she'd give me a ride to treatment, and she said that she would the next day because I called like a year prior after that whole Anaboost deal, and they said, I called them up and said I need to go to treatment. They said, we can't wait till Wednesday. And I said, yes, and hung up the phone. And by Wednesday, I completely forgot about uh, me needing me going to any treatment. So um, I went to treatment. Um, I tried to, you know, I paid attention to treatment. I, was, I had an honest desire to stop drinking at the time. And uh, out of treatment, I was doing the same things with the same people. And eventually, uh, three weeks out of treatment, I was drunk again. And uh, not knowing why or how this happened, and I I have always absolutely convinced that if I stayed sober for a month or longer that I'd regain some type of control of my drinking, and uh, I didn't. It was, it was just as worse, it was just as bad, if not worse, than what it was when I stopped. And uh, that's where I, I had a few more incidents like that after treatment, and that's where I, uh, I stumbled across Alcoholics Anonymous. A, a guy who I used to party with said he's going to go to a meeting, and uh, we went to check out a meeting, and then uh, we went to, I, I kind of felt uh, pretty comfortable at the meetings at the clubhouse there, and he said, we're going to go to this uh, Monday night group, and uh, I heard about the Monday night group in Jamestown, which is a Buffalo City group, which is now meets on Thursday nights, but he said there's a bunch of, in treatment, there's a bunch of young guys who, runs around, who run around in suits and ties and are really active, and this was about, just about as distasteful to me at the same time as uh, Sandra Bullock standing in a circle chanting, and and I thought, you know what the heck, we'll go check it out. And um, went and checked it out, and everybody was just just like everyone is here now. You know, they're shaking your hand, they're talking to you, and and um, you know, they're telling talking about alcoholism. I related with all the speakers that night. I thought that uh, someone gave them my life story and handed up there here to talk about this stuff. And um, I kept coming back, and I got a suit and tie. I was type of guy. I've never wore a suit and tie in my life until I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I didn't plan on doing it because I'm way too cool to be running around in a suit and tie. But uh, I seen that everyone else looked good. They seemed to have something that I did not have, so I figured, what the hell, I'll give it a try. And uh, told me to get a sponsor. I had no idea what a sponsor was. I <clears throat> didn't know that I wanted one. My only clue of what sponsorship was was in auto racing. I was just really that dense on the whole uh, subject. And I think, all right, I'll get a sponsor. And um, uh, Jeff uh, told me that, you know, gave me the rundown what the deal was. And uh, that next week, and I was going on a, uh, to a snowmobile race, the World Championship Ice Ovals up in Wisconsin. And uh, there's a roundup, in the, the District 6 roundup in Jamestown at the same time. And and Jeff uh, advised me not to go to the snowmobile race, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And uh, I went to the snowmobile race. My first call time with my sponsor, I'm standing on top of the uh, VIP suite, the Skidoo box, uh, drinking a beer, talking to my sponsor. And that uh, that weekend, I drank for three days straight. I had honest intentions not to drink that weekend either. I told all my friends I was going with that I'm going to these meetings now, and I'm not going to drink. And um, one of the guys that was going with us was uh, actually going to be a, a half an hour or 45 minutes late. And so I said, well, let's just go to the office bar and wait for him to get off work. And uh, next thing you know, I'm on a three-day run. But that run ended up being my last run. And the, the whole time when I was drinking, it was just like I, I, knew I, I knew I could no longer keep it up. Alcohol was no longer producing the same effect that it did. And uh I was just, I was miserable while drunk. I didn't get here because of consequences. I didn't get here because I'm a nice guy. I, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous because alcohol stopped working for me. And uh, I wanted to find some way how to live because 
the way I'm living it is uh, I'm trying to kill myself slowly. Um, day in, day out, I'm trying to uh, take myself out of the game. And started working the steps, started meeting with Jeff, started going through the book. And um, I did not believe in God at this time. Um, I was kind of, like I said, I was full flight from reality when I got here. I didn't even notice God in the steps or God in the prayers or anything, really, for the first couple months. And uh, after, as a result of working the steps, um, as a result of doing my fourth and fifth step, I, I just uh, I had a spiritual experience that, that there must be a God. So I started believing in God, and I started to pray to that God. And uh, life started getting good. Um, I got a large contract uh, doing an automotive uh, dealership in Jamestown, a remodeling job, and you know things were starting to happen to me that uh, things that shouldn't happen to guys like me. Um, my relationships with my friends started getting better, um, started making money, and uh, I don't know. I just started to become more and more comfortable. I started to feel like I kind of had a, um, a place in this world or a sense or a purpose, anyways. And we went on. I went on a lot of roundups in my first year. I think I went on six or seven roundups in my first year. And roundups are absolutely um you know one of the keys one of the backbones too to uh, my early recovery is going to those roundups because i was convinced in my mind that i was uh, bigger and badder than these people that were, that were in my home group i just figured these guys didn't really drink that much and i don't know you know i i wasn't really quite convinced but uh, after hearing of some of the speakers at uh, these roundups one of the guys from la it's like if that guy can uh can uh, lower his ego, come into Alcoholics Anonymous and do these things. There's no reason why I can't. And, uh, you know, I just love hearing people's stories. I just uh, absolutely love it. And, uh, and I started working the steps and uh, started making some of my amends to uh, some of the people about me because I'm the type of guy, my amends list is, is huge, and um, I'm the type of guy who if you came into contact with me uh, prior to Alcoholics Anonymous, I left you better off. Or left you better off. I left you worse off. Um, I was a taker in every sense of the form, and um, you know I got a lot of work to do with uh, men's uh, financial amends is a, a huge one for me. I came into this program probably uh, about sixty thousand dollars down to people I owe money to, and uh, as a result of a self-will run riot in the program and sobriety of uh, well better than double that in just in the last year. So um, I'm going to need to you know and got a lot of areas to work on. Money is one of my worst deals. I always thought if I had money, I'd feel better. And uh, I had a lot of money in sobriety. I've had more than I ever thought I'd ever have at one point in time, but uh, I'm no good with it. I uh, spend it like water. It's like hot potatoes. As soon as you get it, get rid of it. And uh, I got a long ways to go with uh, in that department. But, uh, you know, my relationship with my, uh, my son has been um, one of the keys to uh, the reason why, you know, I at first kept coming back here because, um, my relationship with my son keeps getting better and better. Um, I started slowly to rebuild a relationship with my mom. My mom, who was a person I disowned for about eight years, I kicked her out of her own house. When she left my dad, I told her that she could leave, and um, she did. And I, I'd see her on the streets. So I'd be working on job sites right next to where she lived, and she'd come up and talk to me, and I'd brush her off. And the people who were working on her crew would ask, who was that? I was like, well, that was my mom. And they're like, okay. Um, but this person I haven't talked to for eight years, kind of disowned, kind of, you know, whatever. Uh, I flew down to uh, Florida with my son, and we visited her with her for a little bit. I wrote her a letter at first and kind of explained that, you know, I was wrong. You know, you had every right to do what you did, and uh, I was wrong. And that's uh, a lot of what my experience has been in Alcoholics Anonymous is that uh, I was wrong. And uh, there's a lot of it. But, uh, you know, I'm slowly working on that uh, relationship, helping to build that back together. I'm 
trying to um, get things built back together for my dad because my dad is, uh, you know, we have, me and him have never seen eye to eye. And, uh, you know, before Alcoholics Anonymous, two years ago, my, my old man wouldn't have borrowed me a $20 bill. And uh, last uh, fall when business was going to hell, he was willing to uh, borrow me thousands and thousands of dollars. And uh, that's a result of hanging around with you guys and being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. But uh, if you're, how much time do I got left? But um, this has uh, been absolutely the best thing that's ever happened to me by far, and it would have been the last thing I would have ever thought of. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous was the last house on the block. I would have never guessed I'd be a member of it. I never guessed I'd been sober for two years and uh, content with where I'm at. Um, this thing that's happened with the business this last fall, um, guys like me blow my brains out over stuff like that. Guys like me don't stay sober uh, going through the deal that I went through last fall. It, I just don't. I uh I uh, run from pain, and I run, you know, I do whatever. I take the path of least resistance. And uh, what hanging around you guys and uh, being a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous taught me that um, you, know, you can walk through these things and things get better. So um, if you're new here tonight and uh, you guys are in your first week of sobriety, uh, well, I welcome you to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you guys that, uh, you know, get a sponsor and, um, you know, do what's asked. Uh, Always say yes to a request. That's been a, one of the biggest things that's kept me in the game so far. Is uh, you get asked to do something, say yes, I'll do it, and show up and make that commitment. Because uh, without uh, commitments to tie me here, uh, I'm uncommitted. And if I'm uncommitted, I'll walk out the door. I'll find something else to do, you know, for the time being. But uh, you know, get active. Um, see if you can see who you can help instead of uh, worrying about your own mess. Because uh, worrying about your own mess. Uh, really doesn't do too much good worrying about it and, and try to uh, start piecing things back together. And uh, that's all I have tonight, and I'll pass.